about a moment the other day, which has kind of been building up for a year because a year ago I was told that I need to go for another eye test in a year and now the year has expired. So it was my time to go back for an eye test. A little bit of history on my eyes. Um, post-school, I had this call for full-time ministry, but the timing wasn't right. I wasn't right. I don't think anybody would have been right uh, for me to step into a full-time vocation. The Lord had mercy on his church and didn't allow me to go into full-time ministry uh, right after school. A few things were in my heart, either bike nearest or physiotherapist, just something with sports or aeroplanes. So I went into the, the aeroplane kind of industry, aviation, and you have to have pretty good eyes for flying. Otherwise, you die. Um, and people die with you. So option one was Air Force because government pays. So my uncle worked with the contracts of the Air Force. So he kind of helped me out initially of what you sign, etc., etc. And you go for this and you go for that. And you have to have 20-20 vision to uh, Air Force specifically to, to, to go into the Air Force. You can't be shorter. I think it's 1.65. Under correction, but you can't be shorter. I was like, I wonder why. And then I figured, obviously, you can't see over the cockpit. Um, so um, you have to have a certain length as well to be a pilot. And I, I never knew that. Um, you can't be heavier than a certain weight. It's like, okay, that makes sense. But the length, I was like, wow. Um, that's now for jets specifically. And um, so I test, okay, awesome, 2020 vision, great. I can see far. I can see close. I can see Perfectly. Uh, didn't do the Air Force route, though, because um, by the wisdom of my uncle, he said, by the way, next is psychometrics. And um, if then you pass that, you're going to sign 10 years fuss. Can't go anywhere for 10 years. If you want to break contract, you're going to pay them a couple of million. Uh, few companies actually buy people out of the Air Force. So that's going to come out of your pocket. So think wisely. Either you're going to fly for them for 10 years or you're going to hope that be a whatever buys you out and like maybe that's not a great idea so uh, the lord had other plans i did it privately and again eye tests etc so always far close i can see it's a uh, it's phenomenal and then covid happened uh, in 2020 2021 and i had all these editing things that i needed to do and social media for the first time stood up for us as a congregation i think we had a facebook page it was as stale as a white bread that's been 10 years on the shelf uh, nothing was happening on our social media pages just because we don't build on social media we can use it but that's not our foundation and we don't use that really to draw people uh, anyway, so now we had to do this online thing because it's now the online sermons and like, hey, we need to remind people of all these things. So Facebook started standing up a little bit more. Instagram started up a little bit more. It's online sermons. Uh, the team is writing songs. We're recording songs. Luckily, it wasn't a lot of editing, but I haven't spent as much time on a laptop ever in my life. Then okay, drop this there, drop this there. Awesome. Send, send, send. We had a good system going. And then the other day, which was a year ago, I looked from afar, and then I looked closer, and then I had to look again, and then I had to look again. And then on the fourth time, I was like, great, I can see that I'm driving 120. Uh, and then I, I looked above again, and then, cool, Cape Town, let's go, 200 Ks, awesome, beautiful scenery, mountains. And just quickly check how fast am I, how fast am I, how f uh, 120. Uh, we're making this happen. And I figured out that I had a bit of a, of a, of a eyesight 
deterioration. Um, it, it wasn't, maybe it was now 2019, it wasn't 2020 anymore. But um, regardless, went for this eye test a year ago, and then um, I had a year grace. It's like, if you don't need glasses, bait fast. I'm like, I can bait fast, no problem at all. So uh, Tuesday last week was now my year. So um, I went to this lady, and she did my eye test, and she's now asking me, okay, can you read the, who's been for an eye test? Hands up. Great. Okay, I'll give you a clue how to bypass uh, a few things. Okay, this is, this is all, this is legal. Um, it's legal stuff. So I think it was HN, H-N-D-O-Z. So she asked me, close my left eye, can you read? I'm like, H-N-D-O-Z. And she was like, close your right eye, can you read? I'm like, H-N-D-O-Z. And then she made it smaller. She's like, can you read? I'm like, I've memorized it, so H-N-D-O-Z. Shouldn't you change the, the, the order of the, of the letters and the, the symbols? And she's like, no, just focus on the, on the O. I'm like, great. And then, okay, right eye, left eye, smaller, bigger, and then lenses here, lenses there. Uh, but I can see, it's just every now and then when I come closer, I just have to refocus and then I'm fine. So I'm just here for, for a checkup. And let's focus on the O, focus on the O, focus on the O. And then, okay, which one is better? Here's the, here's the main point. Which one is better, this one or that one? I'm like, is this a tricky question? I was never intellectually challenged in an eye test before. I was like, which, which one is better, one or two? I'm like, which one is supposed to be better? <laughs> ah, the Renette's laughing. <laughs> you've, you've had hundreds, if not thousands of those. It's like one or two. I'm like... I think one, but it might also be two. But show one again, show two again. And I was going to this whole overthinking thing. I was like, there's no universe, no two. It's like one or two. And then finish the right eye, finish the left eye. Same thing. It's like H-N-O-D-V or whatever. It's like, I've memorized it. I'm telling you, I know what. I can swim, Mark, and I can still read what's on the screen. <laughs> and so uh, we finished this thing. Right at the end, she was like, okay, cool. We're going to, there's the hn V-O-Z, whatever. And then she made this little mock-up spectacle. It looks like a 1920 thing. I mean, thick, heavy, kind of framed. That She just put it on and she basically now added all the things that she did. Now to kind of, okay, here's the final result. And remember, I've memorized that thing. So I know I will be able to read it. And I can read it. And she puts the thing on my eyes and... Tears start rolling down my cheek, which I didn't expect. So just now I was intellectual, and I had to be emotional. I'm like, <coughs> can you read now? I'm like, I can't. Sorry, I'm, <laughs> the, lenses are, the lenses are fogging up because of the tears. So just give me a moment. And then it was like, wow, that is clear. That is very clear. It was clear just now, but now it's very clear. Now I understand why you asked me, is this one better or this one? I have a problem with my eyes, but I just over-focus. So from clarity to real clarity, or from good, it just went to great. I believe that this morning, that is what God wants to do in our midst. We can see well. We can see well. As church, we can see well. Obviously, I'm speaking now spiritual. I believe this morning, He wants to bring greater clarity. The greater 
focus. Which one is better? One or two? And if we allow him to make something for us to put on our spiritual eyes and we're like, wow, there we go. And this thing that we're going to speak about, thanks Brian, is the will of God in the context of the following. Discernment is not a matter of telling the difference between one and two, between right and wrong. Rather, it's telling the difference between right and almost right. By the way, I have to go pick up my glasses in a week. So, <laughs> so if I go like that, I can see it just takes me a moment to, to focus. Discernment is not a matter of telling the difference between right and wrong. Rather, it's telling the difference between right and almost right. This sermon started close to a month ago. Uh, I preached a sermon that was titled The Effect of Sonship. I think it was the 12th of March. And I made a statement in the sermon that sparked the next sermon. The moment I left the building, I was already writing whenever I was going to be up again. Because I made a statement in the sermon, which was the following, and it encouraged me, it inspired me, and it challenged the deepness out of me. And the statement was the following. If church can't discern the will of God, we're in trouble. That was the statement I made. It, with one or two words that might have, might have differed. If we as church can't discern the will of God, we're in trouble. And we're not in trouble because we can discern and this morning there's going to become greater clarity. So will you join me on this journey? Can we ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, come and give me an increase in the sensitivity of my discernment. Discernment is a beautiful gift, but I believe everybody has to have that. It's like prophetic. Prophecy is there's the office of a prophet and that's God ordained and God sovereign. But everybody can be and has prophetic uh, ability and nature because God is prophetic in his being. Uh, it's a black and white. It's a right and wrong. It's him giving you prophetic insight into a moment. You don't have to be an office of a prophet to be prophetic. Same with discernment. You might not have the gift of discernment, but we need to be able to discern not even the big things, but even the smaller moments in life. To make it really practical, Brian's moment of this morning was confirmed this morning, I think, 7.30 odd. Rudy texted me. He's like, he's thinking of Brian. And uh, shouldn't we pray for him this morning? I'm like, Rudy, I thought about Brian last night. I made a note to tell you before the service, I think we should pray for him this morning. You texted me this morning. This morning when we got here, he's like, he actually thought about it last night. He only told me this morning. I was like, let's discern there's something this morning that the Lord wanted to do in his life. So let's pray. So he's, it's not his last Sunday. One more. <laughs> discernment. The opposite of discernment, if we can't discern, at the core we're going to go into compromise. At its core we're going to go into compromise. Because it's what's, what's right and what's nearly right. Uh, that's the clarity and the sensitivity of the discernment we would like. But if we don't discern, it's going to be really bad. I just, I just feel like doing this. This is now my feeling stepping in, in except or um, rather than going, Lord, what do you want me to do? Is it one or two? So uh, we get our marching orders from him, him living through us so that the people around us can actually also come to know his will because we are able to discern his will. 
as church on display, we can discern the will of God, which impacts other people that don't have the will of God yet to come in alignment with the will of God. So for us as church to discern His will actually has a way better impact than just us. It's just for the benefit of, of, of us for no more. It's way beyond just us. It glorifies God. It honors God. This is now discerning His will. Glorifies God. It honors God. It changes society. And it actually reaches lost people. Actually, it reaches lost people to be able to discern what is God doing. And here's our text out of Romans 12. We're going to use additional scriptures to support. But this is the scripture that I mentioned in my sermon. And I've basically only been reading Romans 12 for the past three weeks. If you really want to get into my library and my office, this is what I've been reading for the last three weeks. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present uh, your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by tasting you may... Everybody with me? That you may... There we go. What is the will of God? What is good and acceptable and perfect? That's, that's all one big thought, which ends with, you will now be able to discern the will of God, which is good pleasing or acceptable and perfect. And that good, pleasing and acceptable, that gives us a, a, a view of the heart of God. So heart is good, his heart is acceptable, his heart is perfect. That's his purposes over us. So we're going to unpack Romans 12 with some supporting scriptures. I've got a few points. It's not four M's. It's not four P's. Um, you're like, Raymond, are you sure the sermon is from the Lord? Because uh, <laughs> you usually have them. Yesterday, Rudy shared with me four. I think it was H's. I was like... I'll buy into that vision. Anything with four ages, uh, that's great. Point number one, discerning the will of God starts with the mercies of God. Discerning the will of God starts with the mercies of God. If we go to the next slide, just the first uh, few words again of Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. I have to, every time I use Romans 12, just make sure that we know what the word appeal means. Uh, appeal is not that moment where someone whispers, it's like, I've got an idea. Like, say what? Like, I have an idea. I will say, I will say, I will say, I will that's someone that struggles with some confidence to say what he needs to say. Appeal, I won't do it too loud because Byron is not going to enjoy my, my microphone skills. But appeal is, hey, there's something important that needs to happen here. There's, there's, a, there's a moment that we need to look into like, hey, obviously the LBW is usually the example that we use in cricket. The guy comes, he bowls, it hits the guy's pad and the bowler is like, yay, he appeals for the wicket. And Paul here is going, I appeal. In the New King James, it goes, he, I beseech. I was like, I'll stick with appeal. I'll, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. So the appeal is because of his mercy. And I'm just going to go, I wish I could have time for Romans 1 till Romans 11. All of you would say, no. So I'll just go back a few verses. Some context, because it's therefore. So we need to go back. Here we go. Romans 11, 33, 36. This flows directly into Romans 12. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. <laughs> Exclamation mark. How unsearchable 
are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Therefore, brothers, because of his mercy, I appeal to you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. This is your worship so that you can approve what the will of God is. The will of God to discern his will starts with his mercies. And here's why. If you'll join me on a, on a quick trip, which is going to be shorter than what I imagine at home. I'll, I'll, I'll do it here. For all the married people and possibly engaged people, and for the people that are single, may this be prophetic. Okay, so think about, think about um, you walking with your wife or your husband, and the little board says, as you're about to enter the forest, the board says, Lover's Lane. Who's ever been on a little Lover's Lane trip? Or then there's a part of the and uh, maybe a little basin just to wash your wife's face uh, because she, she, she's sweating. So they, they make it romantic. They make it romantic. And then, and then when you've been married for, uh, I'm, I'm just going, I think this is like when you've been married for more than 20 years, you don't wash your face, you go, ah, and then it, I don't know, you, you joke because you've got more bank balance to, to do that. Or maybe on a honeymoon you do it as well. It's like, Psst. Anyways. Emotional bank balance. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Not, not financial bank balance. So uh, you're walking in lover's lane um, with Abba Father, hand in hand, face to face. You've got this intimate relationship with him. He shares his heart with you. He shares his thoughts with you. It's an intimate moment. It's special. It's, you don't go into lover's lane without your husband or your wife. That's, this is sacred. This is special. And you're walking with Abba Father, and you're getting to see what is around us. No, let's go back to Eden. And you've sensed the wind blow. You've had, you've had this moment with him. You're walking. You're sharing his heart. He's sharing his will with you because you're his child. You get to know the will of your father. And on this lover's lane walk, there's this character that's hiding in the bush that starts flirting with you. And he actually gets it right to win your heart over in a very cunning and deceitful way. And you leave Abba's hand and you join with this character. His name is Satan. And you've just been removed from the perfect will of God. This is, this is in lover's lane. This is Eden. This is the perfect, perfect place. And his heart is broken. And Abba Father realizes the only way that he can get your hand again so that you can know his will again is to come down in the form of human flesh, roaming on this earth, Jesus Sinless, blameless. Dying, that's next week Sunday. Rising from the dead so that you can choose now to put your hand in his hand again. Because this gap is now paid. Without the mercies of God, none of us would have ever been brought back to the will of God. His will starts with his mercies. Isaiah 53.10 Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. 
When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, Jesus, make many to be accounted righteous. He shall bear their iniquities. God, knowing God's will starts with, Lord, if it wasn't for your mercies, I wouldn't have heard your voice ever again. And hearing his voice, hearing his will, receiving wisdom from God, that is, in a certain context, interchangeable. It's like, if I hear your voice, you, you will always speak your will. Because that's what you want me to do. And wisdom is then doing the will of God. Without his mercies, none of us would have ever been back to his will. Romans 2 verse 4. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? That's the kindness of the heart of God. His mercies are so big that I want to run back to him and go, Lord, I'm sorry I missed it. I'm sorry I missed it. I'm, I'm here. I need your mercy. I need your love. I need your grace. Because I know your heart, I want to come back in repentance. And I think that's a healthy way to start. Knowing the will of God, discerning the will of God, this is specifically on discernment, uh, starts with his mercy. Lord, thank you for your mercy that we can actually discern what you want us to do. Number two, discerning the will of God is found in worship. Discern the will of God is found in worship. We have this statement that Pastor Louis Giglio made years ago, and the statement goes that worship is basically giving God back his breath, which most of you do without singing. You just, you speak, you go around daily life, and you give God back his breath by living a life of worship. So worship in this context is not limited to song and prayer, although it includes song and prayer. Um, and here we go in Romans 12. Here's where we get that. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, because of the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's why it's more than a song. It's more than prayer. As a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. This is your spiritual worship. Me coming with my whole life. Lord, I surrender, I sacrifice, I lay everything down in worship. That is my life based on his mercy, which will later result in, but now I can discern your will. Worship is a call to a full surrender and a full sacrifice of our lives. And the awesome, awesome, awesome part, if you want to, some of these things are not going to be on the slide, write down Hebrews 9 as a cross-reference. When we speak about sacrifices, Hebrews 9, uh, I love the whole Hebrews, uh, how they led out with the high priest, and uh, then Christ came, Rudy made mention of that in his intro. The old covenant, once a year, the high priest could enter the holies of holies with a sacrifice, first to atone for his own sin, and then for the nation of Israel. So he made a sacrifice to try and make them holy. New covenant, we are holy, therefore we sacrifice ourselves. So it's not a works-based performance. I'm coming as a sacrifice, hopefully so that you can accept me. We've already been accepted because of the grace of God. Now I come and I pour out my life to him. And it's in that serena that we go, Lord, speak to me. I want to hear your will. I want to hear your voice. What would you like me to do? What is my next step? Where am I to go? And that's found in worship. I'm sure many of us have been in, in moments where it's, um, it's, it's got difficult. You have to make a big decision. 
Where do you go? You close the door and we seek the face and the voice of God. We, we get his will in those moments of worship. Lord, I'm not leaving until I've got clarity in what you want me to do. I'm praying. I'm fasting. I'm singing. I'm, if you will, getting leaders into prayer with me. I'm, I'm getting myself in the words. That's what I mean with worship in this context. It's just a full sacrifice of, Lord, I need to get my next step. And I want it from you. And I'm not moving until I hear you. Closed door. Closed door. Without anything from, uh, from the outside. Matthew 9. Matthew 6. Verse 9, uh, the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed. That's a worshipful. It's holy be your name. It's worthy. It's being adored is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The moment as Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. The moment after, Lord, you're holy. Father, you're holy. You're worthy. Now show me your will. Now show me your will. As it is there in heaven, now show it to me so I can walk it out here on earth. And the rest of the Lord's Prayer. But that was the, the highlighted point. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we find that will of God as we go, Lord, you are hallowed. Lord, you are praised. Lord, you are adored. David gave us a good example, specifically in Psalm 27. Just a few verses. Um, David had many a time that he had to seek the will of the Lord, <laughs> like all of us. He had many a time that he was fleeing and running. It's like, Lord, what is your will? Like, these guys want to kill me. Do we need to go and, and uh, invade that land? You speak. If you say we shouldn't go, we don't go. If you say we go, we go. Here's a captured, a short one, just of David's life. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I've asked, here's his worship moment, one thing I've asked, yet that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon that intimate relationship the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. And out of that inquiry, God's will flowed. He had the purposes of God fresh in his heart. Last one on just our worship lifestyle. First Thessalonians five sixteen. Rejoice always. Smile. Rejoice always, which is more than a smile. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. First Thessalonians, and the one that we're going to read later, is one of the first two, if people come to me, hey, what is the will of God? I think I know what you want to ask. I think you actually ask me to tell you what you should do next. Uh, that's very specific, but general. Rejoice. Pray. Give thanks. You're doing okay. <laughs> the specifics will come. The specifics will come. You see God. You pray. You rejoice. You give thanks. That's God's will. The specifics will come. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast uh, to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Just practical. Bah, Paul just lays it out. Here's, here, here's the will of God. Boop. Rejoice. Pray and give thanks. Awesome. <laughs> Job done. Uh, we find God's will in times of worship and expressions of worship. The clarity of discernment comes in those moments. As we come to... Uh, Close to the end of our flight. Uh, point number three, discerning the will of God calls for a renewed mind. 
We're going to jump into Romans 12 for our context. This is now verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So it gives us a why and a how. But just before that, um, every now and then we do a, a social media fast, specifically with the youth. Uh, we go like, hey guys, for the next 40 days, no social media. And you see the guys pass out left, right, and center. Like, just like that. If you want to see any, any stronghold of social media, just call a fast. And then, uh, then it happens. Or you ask ESCOM to don't do, don't do a two-hour thing, do a four-hour because they on their phone so much, the battery life is, doesn't last for four hours. <laughs> but anyways, um, personally, I started a social media fast, I think it was about a week ago. Uh, you're welcome to pray for me, but it wasn't because of issues. I just went, I just had the sense, just cut it out. It's amazing. I think I spend 15 minutes a day, if. I'm a lot on WhatsApp because of communication, work, and stuff that we need to do. I think I'm 10 to 15 minutes quickly checking a photo here, what's happening there, which is in the bigger context of things, very, very, very little. And even my 10 to 15 is now zero. The clarity of the will of God, if there's even less nonsense coming in than than what there was, is spectacular. And that's the sensitivity that I'm speaking about this morning. I can see. Wow. Now I can really see. I can see, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, now it's really clear. Here's the why. We can't discern God's will if we constantly think about a different kingdom. It's difficult to discern. Let me add difficult. It's not, it's con. It's really difficult to discern if we constantly think about another kingdom. Hebrews eleven fifteen. it's not on the screen. God called Abraham to go, and Hebrews eleven fifteen gives us this Beautiful moment of insight. It says, if Abraham thought about where he came from, he would have had the opportunity to return. What was God's will? Go from here to the land that I will show you. That was the will of God. Go, Abraham, I'm calling you to go. And Hebrews 11, 15 says, if they thought about that place where they came from the whole time. I'm just thinking about but. It's a lack of We had the safety there. We had the security there. Lord, are you sure you're calling me out of my comfort zone? Are you sure I need to, whatever, resign or speak to that person? I'm thinking about it, but it was nice there. And God's word actually tells us straight on. If he thought about it the whole time, that opportunity would have actually arose for him to return. That is strong. Regarding our minds and what we should think about. So why should we have a renewed mind? We can't discern clearly if we constantly think about other things. The how is no compromise. That's quite clear for us. The how is no compromise, but because of the gospel. Remember, we started with the mercies of God. So this no compromise is not me legalistically adding up my list. Okay, now I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. What a killjoy of a God. It's not that. It's, I don't want to. Here's my love is lane. I, I don't want to. I want to I walk here face to face. Lord, speak to me. Lord, speak to me. Oh, I can just hear you because I'm just moving with you throughout the day. Big decision, small decision, to eat a waffle, not to eat the waffle. He always says yes. Um, <laughs> it was my daughter's second birthday yesterday and two people asked me this morning, so how was the ice cream? I'm like, great assumption, but the milk tart and the cheesecake was good. But... um. 
I probably said a lot of the time I enjoy ice cream. Renewal of the mind. Colossians 3, verse 1 to 4, for us to discern his will clearly. If then you have been raised with Christ, that's the gospel, that's our mercies, his mercy raised us with him. Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. New life, fresh, walking with Him. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Set your minds. Next scripture is not Romans 8. It's Philippians 4 verse 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable. If there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So I took Philippians 4 verse 9, and I had a moment at home where I was like, so do I think, sorry for my back, Scotty, if, if I think about anything that is true, will that be in God's will? Yeah, because he's truthful. If I think about stuff that is honorable, do I think that's his will? So that, that was my check. Yep. Is he just? Yep. So his will is just. Is he pure? So pure that he doesn't even cast a shadow. Yep, that's his will. Lovely. Oh, man. Intimate, lovely, lovely, loving relationship, commendable, excellence, worthy of praise. If we think about these things, will it be in line with his will? Will it, will it help us to discern his will? Absolutely yes. Because that's his character right there, or partially. But that's glimpses of his character. And as we land this morning, number four, discerning the will of God, ultimately, if I had one point, I would have shared this, is a call to holiness. It's a call to holiness. Holiness, being set apart, being different, being consecrated. The note that I made here, which I think is quite beautiful, Rudy already mentioned, Ephesians 3.10. It's that moment where we go, wow, I've got free access. With boldness and confidence, I enter the throne room of God. Why? Because you already paid for my son. That's why I can enter. It's a holy moment. It's a sacred moment. First Peter one thirteen. Therefore, preparing your minds again. This sounds a lot like Romans twelve, by the way. If you, if you, if you read this with me. Therefore, whoops. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. It's not my eyes. It's my laptop. Uh, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. It sounds like a lot like Romans 12. There's a lot of great just kind of cross-reference in there. But he calls us to a holy life. And here's the amazing thing of the gospel. If God calls us to be holy, it means it's possible. It's possible. It's not setting us up for failure. You want live holy. Raymond, live holy. And I've already made it possible for you. I've already done it. I've already done it. Here's the second one that I usually share with people if they ask me what is his will. First Thessalonians 4 verse 3. For this is the will of God. Easy. Your sanctification, my sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us to impurity, but in holiness. 
Therefore, ever disregards this, disregards not man but God, who gives you his Holy Spirit. Ultimately, for us to fine-tune and discern the will of God, he says, church, be holy. Be holy. I work through those that consecrate. I work through those that leave the old, that leave the, the elementary things, that leaves the, 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 the world, the, the conformities. Be holy. I'm going to end where I started. The sermon is not a matter of telling the difference between right and wrong. Rather, it's telling the difference between right and almost right. And this morning, I believe that in all of our hearts, the Lord went, let's zoom in. Let's zoom in. Romans 12. I appeal to you. I'm including myself in this appeal. Brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. As we land on the screen, here's our four points. Discerning the will of God starts with His mercies. It's founded in serenity worship. It's a fine tune of, Lord, what do you want me to do? It appeals for a renewed mind, and it appeals for a holiness. And I added the word appeal because Paul said, I appeal to you. It appeals for a renewed mind. It appeals for a holiness.